When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> Here we are. We have a special guest today. We do. It's my dog. Yeah. She will definitely make an appearance. She is She's eating uncaged. her treat right now. She's uncaged yeah, what do we and think? uncontrollable. I don't know how long it's going to take her to get through those. And as soon as you hear some heavy breathing on the microphone, <laughs> <laughs> you'll know who it is. Halfway through the podcast, like, oh, God. Yeah. It's just... Normally, my normally we have a caretaker, but it's a weekend, so she'll be around here in a minute. She's little, but dude, I got a lot. I got a lot this oh, week. Oh, do you? Yeah, nice. I don't even know where to start. Rip. I got a couple things as well. Do you want to begin? No, no, go ahead. I don't know. I just watched a video that I wasn't even gonna take in. That's on. It's on Coffee Break, a channel that I mentioned, and it is on the reproducibility of scientific studies. So you and I have already yep. talked about Amy Cuddy's whole thing that yep. we we reference, which is power poses, which don't actually raise your testosterone, at least. No one can get it to. Yeah, I thought it was gospel. It was yeah. a TED Talk that had a bajillion views. She cites a study. I think she still speaks on it. I went, great. Yeah. This is absolutely how the body works. And yeah. then no one could replicate it. And she yeah. actually, I think, came out and had to say, maybe it's not as much as I thought. The mechanism of testosterone rising is not, in yeah. fact, what's causing it. Well, this is about the systemic problem which creates that. And we've... so. The underlying theory is that natural selection is at work in things other than humans and animals. It occurs with ideas. It occurs in any sort of institution that has systems set up where some people succeed. And, you know, if, if there's a survival of the fittest mechanism, natural selection is probably occurring. Mm-hmm. And in sciences, you want to publish. You yep. want to publish groundbreaking things. And you just want it to blow people's minds. Yep. And there's actually not a lot of checking <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. going on. Well, it takes a while to check. Like, you have, Someone else has to set up an independent study and replicate and there's no results. glory in that. There's no yeah. glory in destroying one of your colleagues' things. Not even destroying, just casting some doubt on it. So it's really interesting. I, it clearly goes far beyond science. But the incentives are such that without even necessarily wanting to cheat, you're going to get bunk science nonstop. That's mm. what the system is created to produce is groundbreaking, fascinating new research that keeps you your job. And one of the guys that he just got a quote from, the guy who postulated the Higgs boson, I don't know if you remember hearing about this. It was like this one of the particles or energy things, I don't even know, that, that they postulated might be there. This guy was five years ahead of the time. He worked on it forever. He said he could never have done the research that he had to do to get to the Higgs boson if he were hired today. He'd have been fired because similar to how CEOs have to produce every quarter Mm. and that natural selection makes companies be evil. (laughs) The natural selection that's going on in the sciences. You don't get five years. You don't get five years to do groundbreaking research, which is what it takes to to push. To do thorough. Yeah. To to, to have a hundred dead ends. And really interesting. Just we've, I feel like we talk about how the news is untrustworthy and 
the kind of the thesis of this podcast is don't believe anything. Yeah. There's just so many forces. Except us. Totally. Us. <laughs> There's so many forces conspiring out there. Six not minutes even later, I'm like, I read on BuzzFeed today. <laughs> yes. Did you hear what BuzzFeed says? So here she comes. Oh, boy. Wow. That oh. lasted a while. Nice jump. Come here. You be gentle with the microphone. <laughs> uh, That's interesting. Super interesting. Yeah. I don't even know what to take of it, but nothing is real. <laughs> well, this is this is random and pseudo related <laughs> yeah. in the sciences. Apparently, so I was just I've gotten deep into environmental, not deep. Let's go easy, Ben. You read three I started articles on the Amazon into environmental stuff. <laughs> Apparently, the ozone, you know, the ozone was yeah. running out. Apparently, it's fixing itself. Good. The they banned they, 180 countries got Aerosol together and stuff. banned certain things, and it stopped being destroyed, and then now it's regrowing. So yeah. they think in 20 no. 40 years, it'll be back to new. No kidding. Yeah. Good. So skin cancer, not a problem. I don't know. Don't wear sunscreen, people. <laughs> you heard it here first. It's unnecessary. Um, so yeah, I thought that was cool. Interesting. And then so the Amazon stuff has also been happening. Yeah. You I... know what's funny? I'm sorry. This is a... When you type in Amazon Fire... <laughs> You just get a bunch of articles about the Kindle. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. I was like, fire Amazon. Amazon fire. I had to go back like six articles to get. No, no, no. There's there's actual fires in the actual Amazon. So I don't know a ton about it. I really only watched Hank Green's thing, which I'm sure you saw as yeah. well. Well, the one thing I thought was interesting, and I don't, you can't prove it, but I did think because the way that things are being written, yeah. that the Amazon had spontaneously caught fire, yeah. similar to how the California wildfires work. Yeah. thought it was like, Oh, the Amazon is burning. That's what yeah. everyone says. So I was like, oh, okay, that's surprising. Mm. And his thing made me realize like, oh, someone lit fires in the Amazon? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I this don't... This is my dog, by the way, everyone. Mm, yeah. She's surely in frame at this point. She'll, Hi, girl. She's going to make sure that you hear from her. <laughs> um, she hates when I don't pay attention to her. Yeah. She's how old? She is three months old. Okay. So she's going to keep going forever. This is this is the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> but the good news is in 9 to 15 months, she'll stop. She'll be totally fine. <laughs> she'll take a nap <laughs> and it'll be great. Uh, the Amazon stuff. I So it's what they're saying. And again, who knows, is that it's ranchers that. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's fascinating and people are upset or maybe not upset. I feel like almost every problem can come down to economics. And you go, yeah, what's yeah, just, driving this economic engine? Yeah. And the answer Stop is, eating beef. Stop eating beef. What's it, yeah, it's hilarious. I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. You stop, just stop <laughs> eating beef. The Amazon doesn't have to get <laughs> caught on fire. You don't have to torture any of the cows. Yeah. Now, a bunch of other stuff, bad things Yeah, happen. you got to figure out how to source the food. I just found out about yeah. bottom trawling. Do you know what that is? No. It's for fishing. So wild-caught fish yeah. I thought was better because, oh, farming, you don't want to farm fish. That's not their natural yeah. habitat apparently you gotta scrape the ocean floor one of the ways it's not all brands uh, i gotta figure out how to tell who's doing what but some wild caught fish they just take these huge boats with these huge nets and they just trawl the bottom of the ocean and it just every just takes everything turtles whatever sort of vegetation they have yeah. dolphins and salmon yeah and so it just grabs them all in this net's horrible it's just destroyed <laughs> oh, like if you were to try to do it in the forest because you wanted to hunt pigs, yeah, it would immediately be illegal. Yeah, but no one cares about the oceans because you can't see them. Well, to be fair, so this is the the point that Hank Green sort of made is America used to have a lot of forests. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that to the forests. They're prairies now. <laughs> There's nothing there. We bottom trawled the heck out of those areas. We yeah. got a dust bowl because of it. Like it, I think when I look at this, one economics drives it. But the other point that was made by this coffee break thing is that when you 
make a measure the goal, that measure becomes the goal. So if you go, oh, don't eat meat, and that's your goal, don't just eat beef, you'll find another way to muck it up by just yeah, exploiting sure. some other for things. Sure. So the only goal could be a holistic, try to do the best constantly for yeah. and, and try to figure out what the best is, whether it's for the earth or for people or for and constantly be thinking about these things, which is hard. Well, one thing we've talked about is the idea of doing an environmental tax or an environmental fee because mm. we get you, we get those spam physical magazines still with coupons, which yeah, yeah, just yeah. blows my mind because I just throw them out or recycle them immediately. And I can't believe it's worth it to someone I, uh, yeah. to send me spam physical mail. That 99% of people will throw out. And yes, but the thing is they don't have the to pay for, for the destruction of it. They only have to pay for the creation of it. Yeah. And if they had to pay for the end-to-end thing that they're creating, they wouldn't be able to do it. It wouldn't make sense. Yeah, totally. So I wonder if there's a way that we can like pay Brazil <laughs> to let us borrow the oxygen from the rainforest. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? But the demand doesn't go away. So say that, okay, some cow somewhere else needs to eat grass. And, yeah. and maybe it's not as awful as destroying the rainforest because that got there over tens of thousands, if not millions of years. And they talk about replanting, which is great, but that's not how rainforests grow. You don't yeah, plant yeah, yeah. a rainforest. Uh, the issue at that point, God, I can't even think. Yeah, <laughs> she's talking. very distracting. You're out of control, girl. You're crazy. I'm going to try to subdue her. Um, the answer is don't eat beef. Well, no, beyond <laughs> the, the answer is that economics drives this. And even yeah. if you, even if not a single tree in the rainforest gets burned down, guess what? We still want paper. We still want cows. We still want all of these sorts of things. Do we need paper? Is that still a thing? Can we get rid of paper? I don't know. But even so, if you don't want paper, what is it that you you, you got to be mindful about? Maybe that's not the best. I'm sure there's ingredients or things no. in iPads. Come no. on. Apple. The iPad? <laughs> Apple. Come on. Steve Jobs would never have allowed would, that. That's true. That's true. St. Jobs would never. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's economically driven. And I was thinking about this with regards to a lot of things. And people are up in arms. And I think part of the reason that they're up in arms about the rainforest, and this is probably going to get heated. <laughs> oh, God. I was wondering why certain things trigger people. Yeah. And why some things don't. There's a lot of... I think everyone would agree there's a lot of wonderful things in the world, and there's also a lot of things that are pretty bad. Mm -hmm. And some of them are close and some of them are far away, but some of them capture sort of the public's yeah. eye. And I think really the things that capture the public's eye are the things where you go, there's nothing I have to do to change this. Mm -hmm. So when you see, for instance, in China that they're having that festival where they kill a bunch of dogs, people lose their minds because there's nothing that you even could do or have to do to change that except freak out. Yeah. Yeah, you're not eating dog. So Meanwhile, you Meanwhile, that change. evening you post a photo of your hot dog and your cheeseburger yeah, yeah, yeah. and how tasty it is. You're you're not upset about the things that Pete is upset about. Now Pete is upset about it because they've made the leap, you know, they've made the leap to that and they want other people to change. And what I see is I think part of what triggers everyone upset about the Amazon is there's nothing they have to do to change about it. But if you told them, oh, no, this could be fixed, just change your habits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just never eat beef again and well, this will be fixed. I, I did look it up. It's only 2% of that particular Brazilian beef is exported to the U.S., but it's mostly no, going No, no, I'm to just Asia. saying if you told people that, yeah. you might see a dimming in the it, number of upset people because they do a little math. They totally. Go, mm. And I was, <laughs> I was trying to apply this to different things that are hot-button issues. Yeah. And... 
I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I, I look at gun control, and yeah. what I see with gun control is a perfect situation for people to get upset, which he's got one group of people who are adamant that guns are an important way of life, and another group of people, in which I count myself, that have never shot a gun, <laughs> that have no idea what a gun is, right. and getting rid of every gun would be literally zero sacrifice yeah, to yeah. me. And so there's this, at, you know, never mind, and people are going to freak out, that it is not the number one way to save lives, that it's not the number one way to stop people from dying violently, which might be car accidents or enforcing the speed limit or having severe, severe restrictions on drunk driving or yeah. breaking the speed limit, right? All things that we all like to do, we're far less adamant about it. And then we'll add a bunch of post hoc rationalizations about, well, this is different because it's so violent or this is different because of X, Y, Z. And I really think the commonality there is I'm angry because I don't have to do anything. Yeah, totally. I have to sacrifice nothing here. And it's hard to do. But what I, I am trying to do is when I find myself triggered by this stuff, go, one, look for your involvement. So with the Amazon, it's, you know, it's eating meat. It's being a heavy consumer of plastic goods and the takeout that I have and all that kind of stuff. And then, and then going, okay, if I'm truly angry – Time to make some sacrifices because yeah. as hard as it is for you to not and me to not eat meat and me to take out less, that's as hard as it is for the corporation to not burn down the Amazon yeah, yeah, yeah. or the farmer. who It's probably harder for him just to figure out another way of life oh, other sure. than cattle grazing. So what is my message? Yeah, my message to myself and then if anyone else is listening and is inspired is, is look inside – I'm not saying that, that collective action can't work or isn't important. I'm saying that when you figure out how to change your ingrained habits, then you can potentially start to help a corporation or the world yeah. change theirs. But if you can't do it yourself, you got nothing to teach anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. And again, I'm not trying to harp on this one, but it's just what it's what is causing the particular rainforest one. But it is interesting that. I see a lot of uproar about how bad the Amazon fires yeah. are. Come here, go. But yeah. no one, no one is there for, or not no one. Not a lot of people are there for changing any behavior. They're not talking about using less paper or eating less meat. They're yeah. just talking about how it's really bad, and we should stop it. And not we. They should stop it. Yeah. They, well, people like to say we. Else. They like to say we in the sense that it's like. I, think I want to be included in the credit for solving it, yeah. but not in the responsibility. Which is tough because if you look at a lot of the world's problems, I'm not saying you personally are the biggest contributor, but habits that you have multiplied by the nation are. Yeah. So if you're looking at climate change, using air conditioning in a hot summer ain't so good. Eating beef, really bad. Flying, terrible. <laughs> I think we looked at yeah. the top four things that we contributed. It was it – was, uh, heat and heat and air conditioning. It was. Uh, it's not. It's not your phone charger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's also super easy to get a hybrid car now. Also, hybrid cars don't necessarily solve the problem. The the bigger issue is that you might not get to drive everywhere you want by your lonesome. You yeah, might yeah. have to sit on some public transportation. Uh, you might not get to fly all to take that amazing vacation to take that beautiful photo in Bali because of the amount of pollution that goes in. If if you take yeah, but, it seriously, but I want to do all that stuff. So yes, and maybe so, if other people just. And so the question is, when you're asking, it's I think it's often difficult to recognize that you're asking someone else to sacrifice every time you're asking the world to change. Yeah, you're asking the farmer to sacrifice. You're asking someone to give up something that is near and dear to them. That is, and you got to learn how to do it yourself. And it's no fun. And it'll make you more persuasive and less of a zealot i find yeah that's that's as, as i stopped eating at least because i still eat fish but beef and all that stuff i'm not 
I, I recognize that it's hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I recognize sucks. and and I, I encourage people, but I, I don't scream quite as much as I think I would if I just thought about the problem. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a crazy world, man, right now. I got some other crazies right here. Here's one that, that just popped in my head. Do you see the the guy who told his crush that he loved her with like an eight hundred and seventy-four oh, Rubik's cube? That's all I know. You just said the only part I know. <laughs> They'd, oh, I know they'd never spoken. They'd never spoken? They'd never spoken. It's amazing. So I, I love how these human interest pieces make it into the news. It's fantastic. <laughs> but the guy, he had a giant thing, probably a little bit taller than him, I think, of Rubik's Cubes of her face. And yeah. They'd never for, met. Can you imagine being that woman? And the guy's like, hey, I made this for you. And you're like, I'm sorry, who are you? How did you get this image of me? What yeah. is happening? How did the guy, this is what I find fascinating, get that idea? Because there yeah. isn't, there, the, this idea exists in our movies, particularly when we were growing up. I remember like Can't Hardly Wait and those sorts of things. Can't Hardly Wait was about the guy who wrote her a note about how he'd admired her from far for four years. It's so creepy. And when she finally read the note, she realized that her boyfriend, you know, and... And that has never happened in the history of ever. Well, what's also great, and like, I understand that sometimes this is true, but I always love those movies because they just make the the guy that is her boyfriend just immediately has to be such a piece of shit. Yeah. Versus what would actually happen is like, he's probably just a dude. And by the way, this creepy stalker is like just a creepy stalker dude. Yeah. And neither of them's great or bad, but it's worse to be a creepy stalker dude. <laughs> so, But in the movies, it's always like, Oh, he's he's so pure, and this is so great, yeah. and this isn't creepy at all. Well, the oh, and the boyfriend's obviously a total scumbag. The purity comes from idealizing her without knowing anything about her. That's that's the trait that these writers have decided is attractive, despite the fact that it never occurred once in the real world. Yeah. They've never witnessed that happen. And somewhere that kid watched a movie or saw a thing he saw where can't he hardly thought, wait. Where, or John Cusack coming out holding up the stereo, that iconic scene. Nobody wants that, but we've seen it before, and luckily most well, people don't. Well, you want don't. it from someone you like. You wouldn't like him if he did that. Okay, but for instance, like if, if he you, was willing to do that, if he if he was willing to dote on you, you from afar, if you get in a fight with your boyfriend, <laughs> okay, you do like the over the top, the over the top gesture. Yeah, I've done it when I was nineteen. Okay, and it's it's appreciated because there is that like zeitgeist. <laughs> I would even go so far as to question if that didn't, in the long term, hurt. Oh, your long term for sure. For now, sure. is it pleasing in the moment to take? I'm not an saying Instagram it's a good photo? strategy. I'm not saying it's a good strategy. What I'm saying, yes. So here's what I'm saying to anybody who thinks like that, which I don't think is a lot of people. Got it. I see. What you're <laughs> I'm, I thought you were just trying to discuss whether grand gestures are good or bad. Because I, I think grand gestures are good in relationships. Yeah, I don't. You think they're good inside of relationships? Yes. Yeah. Like, give me an example. It's your wife's 50th birthday and you decide to show up with 50 roses, even though that's an obscene number of roses. Well, to be clear, that that compared to an 874 Rubik's Cube, <laughs> if that's if her 50th birthday and she gets 50 roses of Grand Gesture, we're on the same page. Okay, got it. Okay, if that's what you How think, many hours did he put into the... I don't know, but I think most people are sitting at home being like, that's what Ben thinks a Grand Gesture is, yeah, buying yeah. her roses on her birthday. Like, like you get postmates and you pay for it you, whoa like a grand gesture <laughs> like you know what i mean huge huge yeah <laughs> i went out to dinner with grace and we never go out to dinner so like going out to grand dinner. gesture <laughs> grand gesture okay i got you uh, yeah, yeah. eighty four thousand rubrics so we've exposed ourselves we <laughs> what we think a grand gesture is is zero grand gesture yeah but that sort of stuff 
if if you're considering it and i know there was a guy in high school that we went to that laid out a bed of roses and had a rose trail what yeah it's a girl in your neighborhood that you grew up near. oh no kidding yeah, what? He i didn't laid know that a trail of roses up to her bedroom with a will you go to prom with me and there's you know like wow yeah i didn't know that they were dating at the time and i'm sure she liked it but if to, to she was also 17 yeah to close in on the point that stuff doesn't often serve you well and what would serve you well is actually spending time talking speaking to someone. getting to know someone unidealizing and humanizing them in yeah. which case you could actually have a person-to-person -person yeah but then you're not going to be as obsessed with them yeah now all then of a sudden you, they have flaws yeah and then you won't want to do the rubik's cube which is perhaps exactly where we, <laughs> where we should wind up dude i got a random update this yeah. isn't a news update though i uh i talked to my grandpa's friend who runs an ibogaine clinic Did oh you, about you, this? Spoke. you spoke to him yep spoke wow yeah, yeah. Super interesting. Super interesting. Yeah, so you were he, reading me the the placard or whatever it's called. The, that was different. That was uh, Aubrey Marcus wrote about the difference between Ibogaine and it. Ayahuasca. Okay. But this was, I spoke to him. Very interesting. So he was a gym trainer, just a regular salt the earth guy, like not a great relationship with his father, grew up not necessarily um, like a white collar guy, but then becomes a trainer and he's super fit and gets addicted to painkillers and his girlfriend at the time basically says listen this is really bad you gotta pick me or the painkillers i found you an ibogaine clinic down in mexico it's 12 grand you have to go or we're gonna break up and he's like i don't have 12 grand what are we talking mm -hmm. about it doesn't matter we gotta figure it out so they save for months he goes down there well he's still on painkillers i presume he's still on painkillers and he's still but he's committed verbally as a trainer. And, wow he goes down there and when he comes back a week later, kicked painkillers, has never done them since. Yeah. And just goes, this is the truth. This is yeah. insane. What am I doing? I'm helping people be fit, but this is life-saving. Yeah. Shuts down his business and opens up this clinic in Mexico. Wow. Which is pretty awesome. Wow. And he said, he's like, listen, where I went, this is not a five-star place. This is dirty Mexican yeah. uh, facility. And... It is. It wasn't clean. There was no real guidance in English. Did he tell you about his experience on yes, it? Yes, we'll get I to that. Hear that. We'll get to that. But um, so he said, I wanted to open something that people could feel safe and good about going to it because he was like, I was sketched out uh, when I went. And so they opened this all-inclusive thing where you go down, you take the ibogaine, they give you the food. It's this beautiful place. Mm -hmm. You can go swim with dolphins during the day and, <laughs> and stuff like that. And also, I guess ibogaine, presumably not while you're on. Ibogaine. Well, no, but ibogaine. I didn't know this. I guess it. The way it metabolizes, it creates something in your blood that gives you like a 30 to 90 day window of, of a rosy feeling. Really? So yeah, so what it does is it creates this this window, this pink window, she said, where you take the Ibogaine. It's a very intense experience. So just for to catch people up, I believe it comes from a root or a bark in Africa. Yeah, I don't know. It's been used in the treatment. There's a Vice documentary that's fascinating. Same story with a guy with heroin to treat serious drug addiction. So that this can't is, be I, asked, I asked them. Because it's expensive, you yeah. know. It's, they said it's five grand to fifteen grand, depending on yeah. uh, what, how long you have to go. Because if you've been addicted to heroin for years, you, you might have to go for two weeks. You yeah. know what I mean? If you are a Navy SEAL with PTSD, you might have to go for five days. Yeah. But that's the light. So stuff they do PTSD. They do. It's incredible. It's incredible. So they do drug addiction. I was like, who should do this? And they said, we think everyone should do this, but we get that because of the cost, it's really when it becomes something I'm, that's going to change I'm, your life. Well, beyond that, I'm scared of the experience. <laughs> they didn't, they said it wasn't that bad. Actually, they just did it. They just did a dose recently. They do it at least once a year. They don't think it's particularly terrible. Okay. Um, I've heard that it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> that it's like 48 hours of misery. So 
I, I don't know. I'll read you. I, wrote, I took a lot of notes. I'll read you yeah. what they said. But I thought it was interesting. They said that the things that it's for, drug addiction, PTSD, severe depression, severe anxiety. So you have panic attacks and they're ruining your life and you can't function. Ibogaine, done. Did you ask the mechanism? I don't mean chemically. I mean, what, what goes on when people verbalize why they don't have it anymore? Sure. So according to them, ayahuasca creates imagery and it's unclear what's coming from you, what's coming from a spiritual being. Yeah. It's very confusing. You don't know exactly what it is afterwards. Afterwards, sometimes you need help integrating. You need yeah. to talk to a shaman or whoever. They said, I began, you're, you know who you are the whole time. Ayahuasca, you take ayahuasca, sometimes your brain explodes. You become one with the universe. You forget who Ben Altman yeah, is. Yeah, you forget yeah. you have a corporeal body. It's yeah. very confusing. I began, you know, you're Charlie Hooper. You're sitting in a room in Mexico. You're here you're because taking, you're addicted to heroin. You're taking <laughs> yeah. You know that the whole time, yeah. which I think is incredible because it's still a psychedelic experience in the sense that you see stuff and you experience, you can relive stuff, whatever it is. But my heart is racing. I'm you, scared. <laughs> you know, you know, you're Charlie Hooper. You know, you're on Ibogaine, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. So then you, you take it and basically you get flooded with insights about your life. It cuts through all the self-deception and all the bullshit. And so what it helps you do is release things, they said. So basically, drug addiction, people don't start doing heroin, I think, just because it feels good. Or you don't get addicted to heroin just because it feels good. You get addicted to heroin because of There's your childhood, whole, yeah. your peer group, whatever it is. And so this helps you to see your life, know it for what it was, but release being so hung up on it. Got it. So you've so, got an issue which the heroin was treating. So the seal. heroin is like you're medicine in you some have PTSD, ways. Yeah. Right? And it's because of all the things that you saw and did. You still remember all the things you saw and did, but they don't create the trauma anymore. They don't create the That's symptoms of PTSD. And so you can describe what happened. None of it's blacked out, but it, it doesn't have the traumatic impact on you anymore. The Ibogaine helps you release that part of it, mm -hmm. which is insane. That's crazy. Yeah, that's... And uh, do they, did they say the effectiveness rate? I'd be curious if they had a follow-up rate after six months. I don't know. Let me check my notes. All good. That would just be a question that I would have about about it. Honestly, any any effectiveness rate is pretty incredible when you're dealing with heroin addiction or, or that kind of stuff. But I'm under the impression it's pretty impressive. Uh, I did not ask, so I do not know. Got it. But I'm trying to think what else. Yeah, in terms of the experience itself. Are you interested? Uh, Yeah. What? I think I think you I think you can't recommend it. Without of course not. It. Of course not. No. So no, I think. No. Oh, sorry. So I should I probably say this part, which I don't know if I've told yeah. you. So we've been thinking about who, how do we help people in this area? Yeah. Right. Is it MDMA therapy? Is it psilocybin retreats? Is it ayahuasca? Is it ibogaine? I am starting to realize the answer is yes, in the sense that you are you have all of these options, and the question is what's going on. So if yeah. someone comes to you, they go, "Hey, I just graduated from college. I moved to a new city." I'm not very good at creating the same amazing friend group I had in college. What do I do? You buy Charisma University. Yeah, Someone yeah, comes yeah. to you. Probably go, not Ibogaine. <laughs> no, exactly. You, you go, you, Charisma University is a solution for you. Someone goes, hey, I have this, I have anxiety. It's not crippling, but it, it is a bummer. It really does impact my life negatively, but not in, not in an extreme way. Okay, maybe MDMA therapy is for you. And then when people maybe come even in, still charisma university. I mean, is is the answer? It's it's when you get this heavy stuff. Yes. Then yeah. someone comes in, they go, "Hey, I was horribly abused as a child, or I was brutally raped, or I was a Navy SEAL and I have PTSD, or I'm addicted to any sort of drug." Then you go, "Okay, we actually have something for you in this product suite," and it's a week, and then you're done. 
Mm. And it's you go to Mexico and you take Ibogaine with these people. So wow. that's that's what I'm starting to realize. If your only goal is to take people from wherever they are to better to yeah. life improved, better relationships, happier, healthier. I think it's, yeah, what's your tell me about yourself and then I'll tell you what I have. I don't think it's everyone has to do Ibogaine. Everyone should do MDMA therapy. Sure. So but it was incredible. It. it was incredible to hear about. I would love to talk to him. I'd love to check it out potentially. Yeah, what sucks <laughs> is I don't think my life circumstances necessarily mean that I have to do Ibogaine. But if we're going to recommend it, we do have to do Ibogaine. Well, and for anyone who's watching, it's like, oh, why does that suck? Apparently, it's pretty intense. Yeah, so you yeah. are awake for 24 to 36 hours. Now, what they said, which is interesting, they're very medically up on it. You know, yeah. they have someone monitoring you. Their facility, they'll only have four people at any one time. So you have a lot of... of Come here, sweetie. Tools at your exposure, you. at your uh, disposal. And so they'll say if you are str struggling to sleep afterwards, you'll take it in the morning. They can actually help you get to sleep at night by just monitoring what's going on in your body. So you don't have to have that. Because if you take Ibogaine, sometimes yeah. you just go on a three-day, like, <laughs> oh, I haven't slept in 70 hours. Journey of pain, man. <laughs> so they're like, yeah, we kind of figured out how to get around the worst parts of it. But Darn. I knew that... When I heard the words Ibogaine and I watched the thing, I was like, I'm going to have to do this one day. Not because I was addicted, but because of the incredible power that it had. And it, I, I didn't. Until I talked to these people, I was like, yeah. I'm never doing this. And I, and I didn't think it was going to be soon. <laughs> I don't want to do it, but I do think you can't recommend it until you've done it. Of course not. So. And, I, and I, I wouldn't. Even after you've done it, I think that will give you such a respect for when not to recommend it. No, it's intimidating. I'm trying I, to think yeah. what else. Oh, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's um, much more internal experience in ayahuasca yeah so they put they block your eyesight and they put nondescript music in so you can't really hear your surroundings does your heart race when you get this because i've had no. i've had enough bad eye experiences not no, bad, no, no, challenging I'm... where when i hear about psychedelic experiences i my heart race no i don't i don't get that but it's super internal so you're just like mask on ear things in 12 hours like that yeah with no no sensory input besides basically white noise music uh -huh. and i thought that was super interesting because in ayahuasca you walk around you open your eyes yeah. sometimes you break the rules and talk a little bit i'm definitely breaking them rules there's you can't do the only person in there is is the person who's helping you make sure your heartbeat is in the right place can we talk <laughs> <laughs> hey i'm in a bad i'm having a bad time i'm reliving some trauma i would like to discuss <laughs> Cool. I think that's awesome. I mean, God, what a connection. Grandpa to Yeah, right? My mom to... was watching the podcast. Yeah. And she calls me. She's like, hey, you want to do uh, potentially a podcast plant medicine? Is, podcast is paid for itself. Yeah. Unless Summer bites she's through like, these headphones, you... in which case we'll be, <laughs> be down 70 bucks. Yeah. She's like, do you know your grandpa knows someone who runs a ayahuasca clinic? It's like, why would my 80-year-old grandpa know anyone that yeah. runs an ayahuasca clinic? And then it found that it's not ayahuasca, it's Ibogaine, but still. This is a good general point, and people ask us, how did you make friends? How did you do all this yeah, kind of fair. stuff? You do not know who in your current circle has got some crazy connection or some crazy commonality with you. And if we had just said, hey, we're going to keep this one close close to the hip. We're say it to each other. And, and maybe ask, ask people that we kind of know yeah. are in it. We we would have absolutely missed this. At no point no, on that list is my grandpa mom. or mom. Well, yeah, yeah. My mom doesn't do ayahuasca. Yeah. Why would I ask her? Oh, yeah. Get the camera, girl. That's good. Very nice. <laughs> All right. You. Let me see if she has to go to the bathroom. Okay. We're back. And <laughs> crisis averted for 35 seconds. So I was thinking about our our video on alpha and they were doing a video on being cool and also masculinity kind of worked its way into this thought process but there's certain things in life uh, not everything that you are or you are not 
and any attempt to become it takes you farther from it. Mm. So take cool, for example. Oh, you think? I don't. I think I'm going to disagree with what you're about to say. I think part of what makes people cool. So so, and I I mean in the moment, you can act cool, you can fake cool, but what cool is if you if you just go to the definition, it's it's a relaxed nature. It's a it's a you know come what may sort of attitude. I'm not worried about this. But I think you can acquire that. Sure, you can become over an, a, perhaps an extended period of time. I believe in change. Yeah. To be clear. Okay. What I can't do is yeah, when your friend's like, someone, when your friend goes, "Be cool, be cool." It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you can't. But I don't think someone is born cool or un- no. I think absolutely you can take not. Someone who's not cool, who's not calm under pressure, sure. who gets nervous in social situations, or who freaks out in sports when the game's on the line. Absolutely. And I think you can show them how to be cool and genuinely. So I, I think it's, I think there was a time in my life when I was not six feet tall. I yep. became six feet tall over time, and now I yep. am six feet tall. But if when I was five six, you told me be six feet tall, sure. Sure. My, There's nothing I could have done in that moment to do it. Yeah. My only caveat is there's a lot of people who can never be six feet tall. And I think most people can learn to be calm under pressure, cool, whatever you want to call yes. it. Socially comfortable. Yes. But it's, it's not instantaneous. No. And at first, at first, which is okay, we we talk about the dip, the effort takes you a step Yeah. Back. Well, they, it's investing in loss. I don't sure. know if we've ever talked about this in the podcast, but the idea, if you shoot a basketball funny, right, you shoot like you're throwing a soccer ball. Yeah. And someone shows you the correct way to shoot. At first, you will get worse using the right form. It's called investing in loss. But mm-hmm. eventually, the best you can ever shoot like this yeah. will never compare to the best you can shoot like this. Mm-hmm. And so I think similarly, when you're trying to learn how to be confident, you take where you are. Now you're going to try to learn all these habits. At first, it's very possible that you'll be trying too hard or you'll feel weird or you'll get in your own head and you will be worse. But then if you continue with it, you come out the other side, ultimately better and what i would add to that is when it that certain goals are not we're like being cool we're going to do a video on it because it is it's appealing to people but i the goal of being cool is not one that's going to be advantageous to anyone because by trying to be cool which is in its definition a laid-back relaxed sort of an attitude you're trying and, mm-hmm. and you're taking yourself away so like oddly enough part of the advice to be cool at least is to relax with masculinity, this, this is why I was thinking about it with my ex. One of the things that I realized when we broke up is that I kind of lost that that masculine center, and I made a video about it. And yeah. I was I was uh, following her on her emotional journeys, and I was up and I was down, and yeah. that was not how I had lived for so long, for yeah. twenty five plus years. And what we have friends who are in relationships, and they sense that happening. I've seen your video, man, and I need to reclaim yeah, my masculine yeah, yeah. core. They say, and they go, "I'm going to be more masculine for her." For her, yeah. And it's like this entire project is doomed because part of what being masculine is you don't do it for someone. Yeah. It it is or it isn't, and if it's not, there's nothing wrong with that. You like, you are, you're not. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, it's not a goal that's worth having no, in know, and of itself. Yeah, yeah. I know a guy who he said. I need to be more masculine for my wife, so I'm going to start going to the gym so I can get like bigger and stronger mm-hmm. so that she'll respect me more, to which my thought was, that's definitely not how masculinity works. <laughs> it's not based on body mass index. If you're doing this for her and not because you like the gym, this is not making you more masculine. You will become stronger and less masculine yeah, yeah. at the same time because you're doing something you don't want to do in an effort to try to be something that right now you're not being. To be pleasing. You're being a people pleaser yeah. is what you're being right now. Yeah. And and 
I think, among other things, part of what a masculine core is, there's a sense of self-directedness. It can be altruistic. It can include other people. But when you lose your sense of self and you, what you want to do becomes so confused with what someone what would please someone else, yeah. that is moving you in the opposite direction. So uh, th- I was just thinking about that. Yeah, you can obviously to- be masculine. Just to be clear, you can be masculine and do things for other people. Mm-hmm. But it's because you want to do those things or it's because it's self-directed there's a self in there yes. there there is it's a not because someone told you that you have to be more masculine or you you even worse intuited it from them that in order to make them like you more yeah. if you could be pleasing in these ways so i was just thinking of this with regards to yeah cool masculine alpha is another one which is as soon as you're trying to be the dominant cool guy yeah. you are now trying to impress other people with yeah, your yeah, status yeah. which has set you back and we you have, cannot we have a friend that's so such a great example of this he's kind of a mess yeah borderline alcoholic does a lot oh, of drugs yeah. <laughs> and he tells stories about it and yeah. these stories are not inherently attractive yeah. his stories will be i did a too much cocaine yeah. and i sucker punched a guy and then i passed out in the street or whatever it's not an attractive story yeah but he tells it with no embarrassment mm-hmm. he just says this is just what happened this is what's up this is yeah. how i chose to spend my day yeah and i've seen people become so attracted to him guys respect him more women literally are like i want to hook up with him attracted and it's not because what he's saying is attractive it's because he doesn't care how it makes him seem mm-hmm. he just is he's just a guy who's smart but sometimes makes mistakes and loves to do cocaine and get yeah, drunk yeah. and it's just who he is and he's not doing it for you and weirdly enough i watch him totally transform how a room reacts to him by just saying, yeah, that's it. No, not trying to impress you, not trying to be funny, and just this is what's up. And here's the rub. If you hear that and go, oh, wow, I want people to like me, I'm going to try to not care what they think. You're missing the point. <laughs> it's because as soon as you want them to like you by not caring about what they think, you've taken a step backwards. So it's this weird paradox of you can become six feet tall, alpha, cool, what masculine you can become all of those things but it's not necessarily a direct line where you set that as a goal in mind and it happens it more happens as a result of other things kind of like enlightenment like you can't try to become enlightened but you can meditate a bunch and mm-hmm. eventually yeah, yeah, and yeah. eventually hit that zen point all of those things have that zen sort of quality to it so anyway, i don't know why i was thinking of that we have these videos coming up that are on <laughs> cool one alpha and all that stuff speaking of masculinity though this is a b of a segue right okay here. Nice. this is maybe even an a we're getting better this is an a segue so gillette you remember yeah that that thing they just had a procter and gamble call with investors where they did an eight billion dollar write down non-cash of the gillette brand now whoa just to ascribe any or all of that to that commercial is irresponsible yeah for sure it's definitely not the case what they were saying is that and this is true and was true and kind of i think prompted that commercial they were trying to distinguish themselves there's these low-cost competitors coming into the market they've last time they assessed the value of the brand was 2005 they you know it's been it declined sure, dollar 11%. Shave Club came in and just wrecked them yes yeah. yes so some people are like this is what you get for making that commercial but then upon looking well, also deeper to be clear, into it, this is a write down to your point based on the 2005 number so this this reflects the last 14 years i believe so it doesn't reflect it, the last three months i believe it reflects a long time yeah. and and perhaps that commercial was a last ditch attempt to take them out of that yeah, that yeah. backslide and and, reass- and they're like ah, it didn't work we lost eight billion dollars of yeah, value yeah. uh but just i saw that and it was interesting because you can guess the political 
affiliation of the person who wrote the article with the one headline, which is after toxic masculinity yeah. ad, Gillette loses eight billion of value, and that's got one trigger, and then you dig into the facts on Reuters, yeah. which are still, of course, there's bias and everything, but it's more of just the numbers in the call. And it told a, a different story. Yeah. Just what well, didn't save the brand. It we didn't know save that. the brand. It <laughs> didn't save that. the brand. May not have may not have been the death knell, may not have yeah, crushed it. Yeah. But of you know, still got forty whatever seven billion dollars of value yeah png is gonna be okay png is okay gillette's okay they're not gonna go out of any store i just thought it was interesting yeah they wrote it down let's see if i have any more and then i think that's yeah just the the other thing uh, this is more for you but i was with my brother henry mm-hmm. and he's watching his instagram stories and he likes to watch these guys who are online business gurus you know this and he constantly just saves all of their ads because he finds it hilarious yeah <laughs> and, and the one he was just screaming about it's this guy who says i've spent a hundred and fifteen thousand dollars on facebook ads in you know he says what? i'll tell you his ad you're gonna find him he says what separates the men from the boys you know, I've spent $115,000 on Facebook ads, you know, swipe up. And two thoughts, which Henry got, which are t- totally true. One, you're obviously going to tell your best number. And if your best number is how much you've spent, that's yeah, a yeah, bad yeah, sign. Yeah, yeah. That's a bad yeah. sign. Versus like, you want to know what separates the men <laughs> from the boys? Million, I've yeah. made $10 million profit <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. year. And, oh, okay. And the other thing. I've spent <laughs> grand, and I'm not going to tell you what I got for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, depending on the industry... If you're doing an info product, maybe you'll make two or three X and maybe you'll make that 115 back and maybe you'll do this. If you're doing what my brother does, which is e-com and there's there's physical products and you're drop shipping and that sort of stuff. I asked him, I said, how much do you spend? He said, I spent half a million last year. Lifetime, I've spent over a million dollars on Facebook ads. And my brother is not insanely wealthy probably shouldn't be teaching any courses yeah isn't well, your mentor funny, i think don't it, swipe up i think the reason he <laughs> likes to watch that stuff is because he is more successful than a lot of the people oh yeah him. whenever they cite their numbers he goes i've i'm crushing that i'm crushing yeah, that yeah. i'm crushing that and it shows because guess what he's not trying to yeah, get he's you know what he's doing making money by selling products trying to optimize you know this his guy's business. doing he's trying to make money <laughs> by teaching you how to make money by teaching you how to if make money if he could just yeah. sell products and make money he wouldn't have to teach you. Yeah. No, there's... it's very, very hard to find a business coach that's not just a pyramid scheme. Because a lot of people are business people teaching you how to teach people how to do business. Yeah. They're like coaches training coaches to be coaches. coaches. Yeah. There's... And it's really, well, it's basically an MLM. There's a generational thing to it where you can trace the great, great, great grand coach of coaches. The grand guru. And, and it's at what point did anyone have a business that wasn't coaching? Teaching people how to make money. <laughs> yeah. How to teach yeah, people. Yeah. Who, who did anything valuable yeah who helped anyone to actually sell something besides advice sure yeah. so that that i just see that stuff and i wrote that down when it happened so i was like gosh this gets me fired up momentarily well it's hilarious it's it's truly hilarious to quote your costs that is ridiculous yeah like why is that something that anyone would aspire yeah. to that you know what could have happened you could have lost one hundred fifteen thousand dollars. i hope you got some you know what i think that. happened <laughs> I don't think you made a bunch of money. No. Because you would have said it. Yeah. You would have said, you know what separates the men from the boys? I spent $115,000 on ads and, and I made $500,000 yeah. revenue from it. And after costs, that's $200,000 yeah. in my pocket. Or you would have just said, I made $200,000 in my pocket. Yep. You wouldn't be bragging about how much you spent yep. if it was worth spending. Yeah. 
Nor would you be here trying to get coaching. Yeah, yeah. You also, yeah, exactly. You also wouldn't be trying to teach it. The other You'd thing that Henry it. that Henry often points out with these people, and because they'll show you, here's my numbers. Here's my numbers. If you zoom in on a lot of their I love businesses, this. they love this. It's 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 a one day launch for the business teaching business advice. Yeah, is what you'll find oftentimes. Yeah. So you'll get these, and maybe it's a month number of the business advice. But well, but what people, there's I guess there, no people there's are, no actual business under all the layers. Let's let's give some context. So what happens is these people. We'll say I'm going to teach you how to how to drop ship products from China. Yeah. Look at how much money I made last month. But they don't edit what they're showing you. So what you see is that it says what it is, and it says the course. It'll be like drop shipping info product. Mm -hmm. And so they're saying I can teach you how to make money by selling products and showing you a revenue number from when they're selling the advice, which yeah, yeah. is not what they're going to teach you. Yep, yep. And on top of that, to your point, a lot of these guys to create more buying, they open these products and then shut them down. And they might show you a week. They might say, I made $100,000 this week. And what they're not telling you is that they are not going to make money for the next 11 weeks because <laughs> they only offer it once every 12 weeks. Yeah, yeah. And so what you think they make every week is actually once every three months on an info product that they aren't going to teach you about. Yeah. And what they've actually made taking products from China and selling them in the US is nothing. Yeah. Like, I that I'm I'm particularly passionate about <laughs> about that stuff. I, I pay close close attention to it. And then the last thing that I have is there's there's one particular guy that I always watch, <laughs> and he said it's just the lunacy of the secret. This is how things become reality by imagining them. Where he's just citing his future income numbers, and he's he's candid about the fact that he's losing money today. And he's lost he, money for seven months. He's he's lost a lot of money for a, <laughs> for a long period of time. He's candid about it. And he says, but this is how things become reality. I'm going to make $2.2 million in the next three months. <laughs> it's just it's just lunacy. But and it's not. You know what we used to do in private equity? We would take how many units were being sold, what the price was, the expected demand, the market demand with yeah. a forecast. You're taking a guess. We would multiply all that out. That's how we would guess how much money we were going to make in the next three months. And then our boss would say it's not enough, and we just change the number. Not in private equity. Non -private <laughs> oh, not equity. private equity. You're not right. private equity. So this is the difference. So in I private, was in, in consulting. private equity. You better you get that. You were in eye banking. Yeah. Right, because you're yeah. about to make a two it's, billion dollar it's your bet. Money. Yeah. It's your money. That's no, the difference. They, are, they, are, they tell you to take it down. It's actually really interesting because the team incentives, I'll make this quick. The team wants to do the deal because you get equity in your own deals. So when you are the team, you private equity is when you buy companies. You buy a company, so but with your your money and your investors' money. But if you buy a company and it only returns ten percent, you're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. But if the company buys a money and only returns a company and only buys makes ten percent, that's really bad for the reputation. Yeah. So weirdly enough, the team internally is always getting you to get your projections down. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So you say two point two, they go, I'm not buying that. Make it one point eight. Yeah. And if the model doesn't show that it's a good deal at 1.8, they won't do it. Yeah, they're very So private equity is actually like... But, correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, investment <laughs> banking? So investment banking is criminal <laughs> because you get paid when a deal happens. Yeah. So let's say Angel owns a company. Yeah. I convince him to buy your company and he buys it for $900 million. I get $90 million. He buys it for a billion. I get $100 million. <laughs> Well, that's weird. I'm advising Angel. <laughs> I should have Angel's best interest at heart. Yeah. But I'm getting paid on how much he spends. So it's almost like the incentive is for me to convince Angel <laughs> to spend as much as possible. What's weird is when you look at it, I think 80% of M&A transactions are value destructive. Yeah. 
so strange. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like all this advice that companies are getting is bad for them. Yeah. It's almost like the company was worth $900 million, He paid a billion and he lost $100 million. Yeah. But you know what I get for that as a penalty? Nothing. Yeah. I just get to take my money yeah. and leave. And yeah. when every when you have to get fired because your company's not worth it and all the shit happens, I'm just over here doing another deal with two other people. Yeah. Investment banking is hilariously poorly incentivized the thing so i was in consulting and the thing with that industry is one it was crazy to see that i'm the person on the ground floor coming up with the numbers so all these you'll read x percentage of something happened and this is done by a governmental agency which you don't realize is that's might be some 23 year old who just learned how to do excel yeah, yeah. taking a massive spreadsheet and spitting out a number to his boss to hit like that's possible and there's a lot of human error i'm <laughs> not gonna lie i, I turned I'm in trying some my best i turned in some spreadsheets and <laughs> my boss was like hey uh so i get that you did a lot of work this result because i didn't i'm not looking at the model i'm just looking at the result it makes no, no sense <laughs> maybe you should go back and check your numbers and i'd go back and he would have pointed out exactly yeah. what was wrong without looking at it and i was like sorcery yeah and what I don't realize is because he's not in the weeds, he can just look at it and go, this is literally makes no sense yeah, at all. Yeah. So, I mean, I did that on more than one occasion. A lot of human error. But even when I'm trying my best and even when the incentives are there, it's me. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. me trying my best. With and one year of work experience. And there's people looking over it, but nobody's quite as deep as I am in making yeah. some of the data level decisions. But beyond that, what I saw in consulting is that there's so much – ass covering that is covered by consultants because what you want a consultant for i mean there's a couple things one we work with the government and you don't want to lose your budget at the end of the year so if you don't spend it all they're going to go oh you don't need it we're going to take it so, so the end of the year you just blow it you just <laughs> blow it on consultants and here's what you get them to do that's where your tax money's going everyone things that you don't need because yeah. you didn't need it so oftentimes what they'll do is maybe you'll come in best case scenario not best good case scenarios you come in as cover for them meaning there's something we'd like to do, but we need an outside party to, to say so yeah. and to say that it's good. So politically, this can way, happen. Unspoken, but just so you know, if you guys don't sign off on it, we're probably not going to hire you the next time we get something <laughs> signed off on. But that's, that's not even the worst case scenario because you dig in and you take a look and all that kind of stuff. What's actually was just demoralizing were the ones where we just really don't need this. <laughs> uh, we just are spending the money. This is a nice to have. I need to prove what we did in the past was worth it to my superiors. Yeah. So you're kind of just running numbers and telling me how much money we maybe saved five years ago with my decision making so I can keep my job. Yeah. And and even if it was true, it was just the, man, it's so tough. And I, and I give government credit because incentives in an organization of that size are impossible. Yeah, with a to, trillion dollar budget every year yeah there's a lot of stuff that, that can go wrong but i just saw on the ground floor like you saw in investment banking that these systems are inherently flawed even when everybody comes in with the best of intentions you're gonna get outcomes where there's bad spending and people yeah. try not to lose their budgets because they don't want to lose their employees and uh, yeah it's it's not i don't know a better system but i saw some, I saw yeah, some yeah. problems <laughs> with the current one is is fair enough Venus Russo, that was an A-plus transition because we were talking about internet scammers and then we yeah. got deep into the government. Yeah. <laughs> well done for us. Let's go to Angel. Angel, what else you got, bud? Um, so I don't have much this week for current events, but uh, I do have Disney and Sony. Mm. Um, they had trouble reaching a deal and Spider-Man may not be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward. Um, Tom Holland is still set to play him, but he might play spider-man for sony instead of marvel yeah so my sense as a fan 
is Sony, you are a rent holder. You have contributed almost nothing except destroying this character. Yeah. For the last, I mean, let's just give it 10 years. The initial Spider-Mans were fun in it, but by yeah, one and two were good. By three. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, and as a fan, I selfishly don't care if you make a dime on that property. Yeah, I want to see Tom Holland I with the see, Marvel I want to see Kevin and Feige yeah, exactly. and, and, and that team do a movie that I want to see. So I don't care if Disney is a monopoly. <laughs> I don't yeah. care if Disney's a bully. I they made the better product. Yeah. And as a consumer, I only care about the product. And I, I'll i be bummed if, Did you see if gonna, Marvel doesn't find its way they're in. They're talking about Tom Holland, uh, Spider-Man dying, but then um, Pete Peeker will come in as the night monkey. As the night monkey. Yeah, I remember from the last movie because he did the Spider-Man costume, but without it because he yeah, was yeah. just in black. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, like Peter Parker passed away terribly. But his- I think it would be an amazing power move for Disney to just go. Okay, we're gonna kill him off, and we're gonna get a night monkey, and we're yeah, gonna make yeah, it, yeah. we're gonna make it a billion dollar franchise. Unfortunately, it wouldn't be able to be Tom Holland, but yeah, you'd have to get someone else. In yeah, there. and I love Tom Holland. Is the truth? I like I like the world. Yeah, that they he's. Built. I mean, the biggest loser here is probably Tom Holland. No, he's he's fine. He's gonna get a movie no matter what. And yeah, but he's tr- got to do a mo- this is, with a this bad is writer a, and a bad director. I'll, I'll, I'm on record. Marvel's gonna be involved. I don't yeah, think I Sony's that dumb. I agree. Uh, they know that they're not good at it. Now, the only thing that could potentially get in their way is that Venom did okay. Which, by the way, was not very good. No. <laughs> like, I'm glad that you guys made some money. But if you continue to put out movies of this quality, it will not last. Yeah. People are going to get fatigued of this very, very quickly. Yeah. No, uh, I, th- I think this is all posturing. I think that Tom Holland will stay in the MCU yeah, yeah. as no, Spider-Man. No, they'll make a deal. The thing is, we were talking about this. Marvel doesn't need Spider-Man. I- I'm actually surprised that they even have him at all. Because I don't know the exact arrangements. They don't get to make all the money from it. And they could just do... A, a Vision and Wanda movie. They could do Black Panther. They yeah. could do Doctor Strange has another movie in them. I'm sure you could do one with the Hulk. They can't release as they've got movies slated up through 2023, 2024. They've got so the many There's there's an Asian superhero whose name I don't know. There's they've got yeah, and, and they feel proven, like Marvel doesn't need Spider Man. Well, they've proven back to Iron Man that they could take a person that people do not care about and I make thought, him a household name. Yeah. Yeah. No, right, nobody, I, nobody liked no Iron, Iron Man. Man was cool. Yeah. No, or Ant-Man, when Ant-Man came out, I was like, Ant-Man is the worst character. Yeah, I was, I, yeah. Try imagining an Ant-Man I movie. thought, I was like, this is yeah. going to be so bad. And then Paul Rudd came in and it was great. Crushed it. Yeah. So I, if I'm Disney, I would like the child in me wants Spider-Man, but I'm making shrewd business decisions and going, oh, I think I they're just like, okay, so you're saying that we just do any of the other movies we yeah. have planned and we keep all the money. Yeah. Okay. I think Sony only is that like that's really there's X Men, and here's the other thing: if you take, does Sony own Fantastic Four? I don't. I don't want to misattribute. I think it's Fox. Is that Fox? It's Fox. So now Disney owns it. So now Disney owns. Okay. So they've got those guys. Oh, too. they can bring in the. Oh, they so can, they can. Go, they could do a good sorry, job. Peter Parker's dead, but the yeah. Fantastic Four and the X Men yeah. are here. Do they own the X Men now? Yes, X Men oh, and Fantastic Four. Sorry, yeah. Sony. I want to no say space. your leverage is. There's no space for Spider-Man. non-existent, my man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's an interesting thing, and and again, I don't have a better system, but that Sony owns the intellectual property of Spider-Man, which is, I get it, they bought it, they didn't create it, they didn't do a, they did a good job at start, but it's been a long time since they've yeah, done something Spider-verse positive with good. it. Spider-Verse was good. Spider-Verse was good. I actually thought that was one of the most thematically confused movies I've ever seen. Yeah, don't. I mean, it's a cartoon. Don't get too deep into it. But what was what was the internal struggle that he was overcoming? I I don't he know. He lacked confidence in himself. There were it was 
artistically interesting. There were some funny moments. They introduced watched, well, main actually, characters halfway through the thing. I wish I, had I talked, actually thought it was pretty bad. I wish we talked about this when we mentioned YouTube channels that we like because yeah. I really like this one. I think it's Screen Rant. They have one called Pitch Meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is hilarious. You're not going to learn anything, but it is <laughs> no, so funny. Yeah. And they had a Spider-Verse pitch meeting. And when you watch it, you're like, you know what? I didn't realize that this movie had so many problems until yeah. I watched this, but this doesn't make a lot of sense. I was actually aware of them when I was watching. I wasn't I wasn't hyper-engaged. I know that I'm in the, the minority there, though. That's a great... If anyone just wants to laugh, Screen pitch, Rant. pitch meeting is hilarious. All right. What else we got? No more current events this week, but did you guys wow. want to do fan questions? Yeah. Let's do it. Um... Well, first of all, I just wanted to say you guys mentioned in the last podcast that you weren't sure if you wanted to continue doing fan questions. And overwhelmingly, they said, please stop. <laughs> Actually, no. They can... shut the whole thing down. They overwhelmingly said, I can't figure out how to unsubscribe. <laughs> My phone is broken and I can't no, unsubscribe. No, that's the opposite. The consensus was that a lot of the comments said they wanted to continue fan questions. They liked the engagement. Um, yes. And, you know, some people are saying, even if I don't particularly myself have questions, a lot of people ask ones that apply to me. So a lot of people seem to like the segment. So. Great. I also saw, because I was looking for things, that they wanted potentially a podcast on the business. So let's do that sometime this week. Yeah, yeah, we'll do an episode. What do we got? So the first question uh, comes from Fosmal. What up, Fosmal? Fosmal. Uh, they ask, whenever I'm hanging out with my core group of friends, they sometimes pull out their phones and it bugs me a little. One, how can I get them to stop doing it without being forceful? And two, is it healthy if we pull out our phones and start showing each other memes and funny posts on, um, um, on social media? This usually happens when we have been hanging out for a while and the conversation starts to get dull. <laughs> I'm just thinking how I stop without being forceful. So grab them by the throat. <laughs> Take their phones. <laughs> smash them. I'll give you a little shout out. We went to the gym the other day for an hour and you didn't even bring your phone. I was so impressed. I don't have much on my phone. I have it with me now because I have my notes. But yeah, there's yeah. Not... I'm just saying. I was impressed. Yeah, there's not much happening my on my phone. My ex-girlfriend used to do this all the time. It made me really mad. So <laughs> I'm with you. It is frustrating. Did you figure it out? I... Yeah, I broke up with her. <laughs> what? Yours? Well, it's been... This week is the week, man. Every... No, man. Everybody's ex is ex... calling him back. I have an ex from eight years ago that I liked a lot. I'm hoping she's the one that calls me. <laughs> so do you have any suggestions? Did you... Prior no, honestly, I, I, I'll say I made a mistake. I didn't bring it up. I watched it happen, got frustrated, and then I took it upon myself to be like, okay, well, because this is what I do. I always blame myself and then try to be perfect. So I was like, all right, obviously, I'm not being interesting enough. You mm. know what I mean? Like, I would, we'd be out to dinner, just the two of us, and then she'd pull out her phone and start looking at Instagram. I'm like, all right, well, this is my fault. Uh, everything's my fault. <laughs> and so I need to be more interesting. I need to blah, 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 instead of just what i wish i'd done is say listen i find that rude you don't have to stop but like we'll just stop going to dinner i could just be at home and we could you, you could ignore you me could, at home you could be on your phone yeah while i do something left else. the house yeah, to yeah. hang out with my friends like that's a dinner to hang that's with what you. i wish i'd done or i truly wish i mean i can remember it vividly it was like first three months was the first time it happened we were out at a nice restaurant and i didn't say anything and i just internalized my own blame and i don't know if you should do it in the friend group but what i wish i'd done just been like hey not just is just how I feel like it's incredibly rude to sit here while you're on your phone. We don't have to be here. My friends are back in the, we live in the same apartment. So if you want to hang out on your phone, let's just bring food, food in. You can hang out in the room and I'll go hang out with my friends. Cause I don't need to sit here and look at the top of your head while you look down at your phone. Yeah. Even if it's for five minutes of an hour dinner, like the only thing, and it's totally cool to feel whatever you feel, but I'm, I'm sort of thinking a lot about trying to not change people and, and feel, no, it wouldn't have been a threat. Yeah. It wouldn't have been a threat. 
I truly would have just rather been hanging out with you and my other friends. So and what she you, can be on Instagram so, on the couch. So perhaps when you communicate to your friends, and, and you really have to think about this, I think the first question is, would you rather stand up and leave or sit there and have your friends be on their phone for a while? So actually know your walkaways. And what you can say yeah, at yeah, that yeah. point. This wasn't a bluff and it wasn't meant to be yeah. manipulative. But I, I truly wish I'd just gone like, you know what? I don't have to pay 300 bucks for this stupid ass <laughs> fancy meal. Yeah. Like you are on your phone. You don't want to hang out. Let's go, let's go home. Sit mm-hmm. on the couch. When you get bored of your phone, you can come hang out with us. Yeah. But I'll be around other people who are talking. Yeah. So it, wouldn't, it wasn't to manipulate. It wasn't a threat. Yes. I just wish that that's what I had actually done. So I'm going to riff here because this is actually not something that I have been uh, personally upset by. I don't know if it's because my friends don't do it or I, I just have not really encountered it as the truth in a way that's upsetting to me. Yeah. What I would riff on is saying yo guys totally cool if you want to stay on your phones i don't love it so are we going to do this for a while if so i'll bounce <laughs> so we're like truly truly rank things in order now if what you're saying is you go number also, one is hang out to- with my friends number two is watch memes with my friends number three is be alone then you're in a position where you truly have no yeah, power because what is really <laughs> tough to do is to convince other people to change their behavior for your sake yes not for their own sake yeah so that's the and that's why the route I went was okay. I'm going to try to be so interesting that she doesn't mm-hmm. want to pull out her phone. That's an effort to try to make her genuinely not want to pull out her phone. But I never, I never had a walk away. I was always taking the blame for any social interaction mm-hmm. for years. So a thing I wish I'd learned to do is just been like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> As for if it's healthy, I'm not. I'm not an expert. I don't. Depends. It can be. I mean, it sounds like if they're showing each other stuff. If everyone's sitting around looking at their phones, not interacting, I'd say like, yeah, that doesn't bode well for the friend group. But well, well also, I've seen society really evolve in with regards to this because when I was growing up, playing video games with your friends was not healthy. My parents yeah, would yeah. tell me, "What are you doing? You're playing these video games. You guys aren't even interacting with each other." And today, if you were to tell a kid that he's not interacting with his friends while he's playing video games with them, they'd look at you like you're crazy yeah. because that's how we interact. Yeah. And so where we're headed if this is just going to be the future and we're going to look like a couple of luddites <laughs> we're yeah, like yeah, yeah. oh those newfangled cell phones ruining everything i don't know but yeah the main thing is do what are your other do you enjoy it how much do you enjoy it or not enjoy it what else could you be doing mm-hmm. and you by the way you don't even have to say what i what you said i think there is a world i don't know where you how old you are or where your friends are or whatever but if you're in college or in high school you got a car and your friends are being boring you don't have to say anything. you should be like all right that was fun and you can just go like, okay, we hung out for 45 minutes. I'm going to yeah. go play basketball. Yeah. You, no no thread or manipulation or reason. You can just try to optimize for your own happiness. And this is the other thing you could do is just invite. Uh, this is a general life rule is think, what do I want to do and, and practice? You'll have to get good at this. Getting to the point where doing it alone is at least good enough. You know, it's fun. And then invite people to do it with you. So yeah. you'll be like, I would like to play basketball right now, even if everybody sits inside. And, you know, I'll shoot hoops while they're looking at memes. I'd be like, I'm going to go shoot some hoops. Does anyone want to come shoot hoops with me? I want to say get no, a you're yes, not upset. If you get a yes, great. If you get a no, okay. Yeah, better yeah. than better than looking at memes. Come back in 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. My college was a little different because there's always people playing pickup. But I used to do that with my friends. But, hey, do you mm-hmm. guys want to play basketball? No. Okay. Well, just go play with strangers. Yeah. And, and it wasn't – I wasn't being petty or manipulative. I was just – Trying to play basketball. Sure. So I think that's really the best so way I don't, to do yeah, it. So I don't, I don't have a, a perfect solution for this, but hopefully that, that helps. What else? Pavel wants to know, and I, I apologize. I feel if like I... we've, we've, we've seen a, a Pavel. Pavel yeah, before. we get a lot of repeat questions. Yeah. Some people are very uh, <laughs> Some curious. Some frequent flyers. I respect mm-hmm. that. 
Yeah, we get a couple. This one was. A, this is a repeat person. So if I'm pronouncing your name wrong for the second time, I apologize. I think it's a V, like Volkswagen. Mm. <laughs> I could be wrong. Is right? that how it's pronounced? Volkswagen. I think it's a wagon. I think so. Just blew my mind. I think it's Volkswagen. Well, do me. Go ahead and do me a favor, and yeah. uh, next time, if you have another question, spell it phonetically, yeah, yeah <laughs> and I will pronounce it correctly. Uh, but they they ask, are you more of a fan of scheduling your time ahead or going with the flow? Do you think yeah. do you think what works for everybody depends on the person, or hmm. is there some rule suitable for everyone? Definitely, everyone should schedule everything. Everyone's got to schedule everything. So let's go with everybody rules. Everybody needs to breathe. Yeah. Everybody needs water. Yeah. Everybody needs some sleep. <laughs> Food. Food. I'd stop there just yeah, yeah. for <laughs> after that recommendations. Yeah. Uh, it's what works for you. And any advice that you get needs to be tested. So you'll read a hundred books that'll tell you all these geniuses wake up at 5 a.m. And if you wake up at 5 a.m. for a month and it's not working for you, stop. Yeah. It's not working for you. You could try again in a year and see, but you don't. You don't need to. A similar, I think meditation is exceptional. If you're not at a point in your life where meditating and you you give it a good natured thing, you do it for 30 days and it's not doing it for you, you could stop and come back to it. There will probably be a point in your life where it clicks more. That's what I found at least. So Ben's a scheduler. Oh, yeah. Ben, I wake up every morning to an attempt to block something off of my calendar, oh, yeah. whether it's lift today or sauna or what time this. Oh, yeah. And I am. Dude, the puppy makes it even worse. Yeah. Because the thing is, it's like, it's even, I like to schedule, but without the dog, hey, we're going to the gym right now. I'm like, all right, I can meet you there in five minutes. Yeah. But with her, I got to make sure she goes to the bathroom. I got to get her something to distract her in a crate. There's like a solid 10 to 15 minute power down. Yeah. And you and Henry live together. So you can just be like, you want to go to the gym? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go. And then Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) And I hate lifting alone. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, hey, what time are you lifting? Two? Perfect. I'll start puppy trapping at 145 yeah so that's made it even worse and i'm i'm hard the other way i have you hate i really hate being on the clock for for anything and i realize i have probably an unhealthy obsession with freedom yeah you hate being you hate being on the clock for something i hate anything that i perceive as an impingement on my complete ability to do whatever i want whenever i want and it's i literally it's tattooed on my body the secret to freedom is courage and the reason that i want freedom and the reason that I want to have courage is so that I have freedom, and I got it tattooed because because freedom is so critical to me. Well, isn't there more? Isn't that the secret to happiness? Well, and the or secret. So it's it's. I actually did purposely didn't add that because I don't believe that that's true. It says the secret to happiness is freedom, and the secret to freedom is courage. I don't believe that the secret to happiness the, is freedom. Tr- truly, yeah, I yeah. think that that I'm just saying there's there is more to that quote. Yes, got it. But freedom is is critical to me. So when I have something on my calendar, I bristle, man. I yeah. do not like it. I, Unless it's a massage. Even then, I don't like to make it days before. I would prefer to not. I'd prefer to see if I want to go five to ten minutes before. There yeah. are some things which no, I will I've concede. That about you. There's some things which I'll concede that I okay, fine. Escape room. You love escape rooms. You texted me yesterday. You said, hey, do you want to go to an escape room? I don't know if I want to go to my I had a, I had yeah. a date. I had yeah. a date. So I was like, oh, I can't. What about Monday night? No response. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> How could I know? How could I know? I also hate texting. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just, I mean, dude, I don't take it personally. It was just funny. So yeah. I was like, oh, I can't tonight. I have a date. What about Monday? Yeah. No, I'm... You're I gonna ask me to text you and put myself on and the I, calendar? And, and I might just hit you up on Monday. And I mean, this is... Well, that's what happened last time. And say, what happened last time is it was like five days out. I was like, yeah. oh, I can't. But what about this weekend? I heard nothing from you. And then on Saturday, like, yo, do you want an escape room? Yeah. It's like, well, I do, but we didn't have any plans to. <laughs> so whatever works for you. And I've really built my life yeah. around 
complete freedom of time. I love the calendar for some reason. Yeah. I get, I get, I probably because I don't like uncertainty. I really enjoy knowing, all right, I'm going to do this with a friend then, and I'm going to do this then. I'm going to go surfing here with these guys. And yeah. I quite like waking up and knowing good stuff is happening that day. And it's funny. I also, I like the certainty that I'm not going to have to do anything I don't want to at the moment that I don't want to. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing. So if somebody's like, are we going to go to the gym today at three? My, my thought goes to, what if I don't want to at 259? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I have to, and I have to do something I don't want to. And it reminds me of school mm. in that thing. I All of my worst nightmares are of school, of having to be somewhere that I don't want to be. Mm. And I think that's it's, it's built deep into me when people mm. try to make me sit in a spot or go to yeah, do a yeah, thing yeah. at a certain time. I, I, I just freak out yeah. <laughs> and break out so whatever works for you I, that was more about us yeah yeah least helpful answer <laughs> no, well, well, he's you, watching it's just like uh what i didn't ask all right <laughs> what thanks works guys <laughs> yeah whatever works for you i have a couple more so okay i apologize because this one is kind of long but i do think it's interesting just read it fast uh oh, okay here wish me luck i knew i knew uh, i wasn't gonna lie to you oh here we go <clears throat> I'm curious about your opinion on outsourcing work overseas oh, and whether and whether charisma on do you want to do it? No, no, no. Yeah, read it. Okay. I'm curious about your opinion on outsourcing work overseas and whether charisma on command does this with any parts of the business. I'm reading the four hour work week and have loved most of Tim Ferriss's advice. But the section on outsourcing was one of the only parts of the book that bothered me. Specifically, the idea of outsourcing to countries whose economies aren't as strong as yours and leveraging currency differences to pay employees in other countries less than you would pay an employee in your own country. (laughs) Halfway through. (laughs) I understand that the living wage in these countries is lower, and so the business owner isn't actually underpaying the employee, but something about the whole concept made me uneasy for some reason. I haven't finished the book yet, and I'm not not sure if the ethics are discussed later, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on this practice. So let's start at the easiest questions. I don't think he really does touch heavily on the ethics of it. No. We do Mm. use outsourced labor. We have it from all over the world. We have some that are cheaper and some that are more expensive. Yeah, yeah, some (laughs) some in uh, Norway. In Norway, our video editor is Norwegian. Quite high, apparently. Yeah, minimum wages through the roof. and then we have uh, a number of uh, primarily support team that is that is in the Philippines. Yeah, we got Philippines, we got Egypt, we got Canada, yeah. we got yeah. It's it's a global organization. Yeah, actually, no, gosh, yeah. So let's just touch on the countries that we have. So we have a Canadian. We'll do the foreign language channels count. Like does Lucho count? He's doing our Spanish channel. Yeah. So we've got most continents. You recovered. We've got Canada. <laughs> and we're. I mean, if you take the foreign language count, it's we're everywhere. Yeah, everywhere but Antarctica. South America. We got Egypt. Egypt, Europe, South Africa. Yeah, Egypt. There's Australia, Philippines. Do we have any Aussies? I don't think so. I don't think we have any Aussies. All right. If any Aussies would if like any to Aussies want to translate into Outback, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be so funny. You're talking, and then there's all right, there. Oh, good day, mate. Good day, mate. <laughs> God, every Australian watching this just died inside. I'm sorry. So, so we do have it, and then feeling uneasy with it. So, you raise an interesting question. I will tell you the way that I think about it, but I haven't thought heavily about it, so this could, this might have holes in its logic. My hole is that I think one of the unfortunate ways that we live today is in a nationalist world. Yeah, I was thinking that. Where you want what's best for, you know, I live in California and I want what's best for someone in Mississippi and someone in New York and someone in Minnesota, but fly the same 3,000 miles in any other direction, you know, down. People care less. Or, and, and no, not for them. No. And... 
I th obviously an American president and an American politician is concerned with American jobs. That is, they're, they're, they're advocating for you. And so when things get better elsewhere at, and not in America, that's not desirable. And so what you hear in the politics is we got to get the jobs back. We got to do all of this. As a person... I wonder if we shouldn't just be trying generally to have the best for the maximum number of yeah. people. I was wondering this too, because like the, I can think of a woman in the Philippines who I quite like, who's really nice, who works for us. It's like, yeah, if we take that job back to the U.S. And we pay someone more. She and doesn't have a job. Yes. So we, we only have so many roles that we want to hire for. And in the absence of a strategy where you just create work so you can pay people for things you don't need, like someone if you look at a global scale like someone does the job and then every other person on the planet doesn't mm -hmm. now there's there's a number of questions i've read a little bit about this about how countries develop and if you were to take the opposing side to this what you would say is if you look at the if you look at russia if you look at america if you look at even china what has to happen for these countries to develop is there's like this industrial phase where they manufacture and they create textiles and they have mm -hmm. these hard things and that's been how economies have grown historically mm -hmm. we don't really have strong examples of these service oriented economies doing well in the long run there's other economies that have done well based on natural resources you've got oil you, you're good yeah you're you're gonna make it well the other thing which is interesting i think that this maybe this isn't true but there's a there's i thought maybe a little bit of an implication of you're, you're hiring these people overseas and you're not paying them a lot even for what their local economy is and so you're putting these people into a bad financial spot no while I, don't, even... I don't think that was the implication but because we but pay we yeah. pay well for their country yeah and so the thing is you actually have an employee who's supporting an entire family quite happily and they're making less than their u.s counterpart would but they're writing you being like thank you so much this is life-changing you want to know what's crazy is it's not just their u.s counterpart and this is because then culture comes into play so there's a number of different things happen culturally one if you want an excellent assistant, you can get an American. Philippines has so many incredible assistants who know so many different software things because that's this is what has happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have this culture of friends teaching friends how to do this. And you want a digital marketing assistant. It is legitimately hard to find someone with the same sort of broad stack yeah, capabilities. This, this, this woman can do coding. She mm -hmm. can do design. She can do Photoshop. It's impressive she's a, she's a jill of all trades the yeah. amount of skills that she has yeah yeah uh and then and it's funny because what happens in some of these places at least online is certain countries become really good at certain things so yeah. philippines is excellent at assistance you go to eastern europe they've got sometimes incredible coding yeah uh there's there it just depending on the the country is they they then specialize in that thing is it good is it bad i i don't know uh but the last thing that I'll say, and this is just on a personal if you level. Didn't, if you didn't know how to map the countries, if you were an alien and you just thought it was a globe, you would just be saying that like someone is doing that job and being paid a wage they're happy about. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, the difficulty... What do you do in the U.S. if you need to pay, if you need to earn a U.S. Well, the, wage? well there's a number of difficulties because the argument for capitalism, and then this is, this is a zoomed out. The argument for globalization and capitalism is that over time, you're going to get the best work at the best price and the market will figure it out. But what happens in the interim is the span of someone's life. Mm. And so you are a worker at, in Detroit, and then all the manufacturing jobs go over where they're done really excellently and 
some other place and assembled, and now you are out of a job, and the economy does better, and everybody does better, but you suffer. Yeah, the globe does better. Sure. But your life is worse. Sure. So, ah, man, it's a tough question. It's it's a really tough question, and I would like to, to make a decision that could be applied, applied, applied to a system as, yeah, yeah. As, as a sort of systems thinking. This is a good way of doing it. I'm not sure that we are, but I'm also not convinced that we aren't. The last thing that I just think is interesting on a personal level is we actually sat down with some of our assistants and we said, look, we want to increase your, your your roles in this. And we want to, there a lot of them are on hourly work. Yeah, more responsibility, more pay, switch to a retainer instead and, of hourly. And potentially even fewer hours because yeah. we said we, we no longer want to pay for, I, I'm not interested in your time. I'm interested in results that you create. So if you can get this done in less time, which I, by the way, I think we've sort of created a system where you can, I'm interested in paying you more because mm-hmm. I think you deserve it. And th- she said no. Yeah, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Makes me uncomfortable. She said no thanks. And I think this is another thing, which is this is not necessarily cultural, if not personal, but values of people and what makes for meaningful work that people want does not come down to just the dollar and that was that was a stark lesson of that just for me going oh i'm i'm going to give someone fewer hours more autonomy and more responsibility which in my mind is exciting because yeah, yeah. outside of a repetitive task and more money as this is a win 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 in everything and i'm happy to do it and it was a no because i didn't understand her model of of what makes her feel comfortable and happy. And part of it is, I think, a sense of familiarity, is mm-hmm. a sense of not going into something where she feels that she's likely to make a mistake in a serious way or fail. So, gosh, all of these considerations come in when you're tr- when you're thinking about how to run a business and, and what's good for people in the world. In terms of your initial gut reaction to it, though, I would ask yourself... How you would feel if, because this was almost happening, say 70 years ago, America colonized the Philippines and we had 51 states. It was Alaska, Hawaii, and the Philippines. And it was an American in a poor part of America that we were sending it to. If that would change your opinion, then I think what is driving you is nationalism. And I yeah. don't think that's the best. Because like, what if I sent it to somebody who was poor just in living Hawaii. in a rural yeah or just a rural part yeah. of the country where and i the, got the same the cost of living's lower and so yeah it's you know you can pay them less it's a great example yeah if i sent if there was if there was certainly a community, LA's got the highest yeah. cost of living in the u.s or uh, one, if there's, one a, of it, right? if there's community you just go to somewhere in, that's much cheaper in the u.s utah in, in say utah has excellent internet and a bunch of sure. personal assistance and they cost yeah. the same in the philippines would that upset you that i went to utah for for that sort of service if not, I do think that we need to change our mentality because why would you want to care as not as a politician but as a human more about someone in Utah who you do not know if you have a single thing in common with than yeah, yeah. someone in the Philippines who you do not know if you have a single thing in common with. It's they're just lines on a map. They're all people. Cool. Yeah. Good question. Good question though. I mean it's it's I, I I also thought about that a lot when we were starting this. Don't have a great answer, though. Next question. <laughs> Any others? Yeah, we have one more question, and it's a bit heavy, but here we go. Oh, yes. Uh, heavy or heavy? Heavy. Ooh. Well, not, well, not, not okay. I should refer. It's not heavy. It's just let it rip. Okay. I'll, okay. So this comes from YouTube user None. None, yeah. That's Got their it. name. Nope, just None. None. Okay. N-O-N-E. None is their name. Um, no name. <laughs> oh, you know, I was taking it for, like, None, like. Like the lack of name, but maybe it, maybe that is their name. <laughs> maybe it's no name. <laughs> uh, but none asks, 
what what do you do when you don't know your purpose in life <laughs> or when you don't know what you want in life uh you try different things but nothing seems to resonate and that's our question sure great question yeah what do you do so i think that there are one i think that i've never been much of a purpose person i everyone says you have to find your life purpose it's not been my experience Bro, your life purpose is to make content on youtube <laughs> yeah my duh the Steve Jobs kind of talks about this in his commencement speech. He said, it only shows up in the rearview mirror. I learned calligraphy because I thought calligraphy was interesting. Yeah. And then I thought computers, what what I've tried to do, and I mean, could you have picked Charisma on Command as a purpose? Here's what happened. We were really shy with, or I was, you were mm -hmm. less shy, but I was really shy. I didn't have a girlfriend and I wanted to figure out how to get a girlfriend. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time and effort figuring out what I could do to become more appealing to women. And then people asked me what I was doing, and I just told some of them because they were my friends. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I, I got yeah, the, there all, was and, a gap. There was a four-year gap between learning charisma for our own lives versus trying to start a business about it. Yes, and so if I'd come in with a purpose-driven mentality, which is no, the things in my life have to be done with an end goal in mind, not because they are pleasing or interesting in and of themselves. We never, ever, ever would have wound up with charisma on command. The path there was so circuitous. So, well, and I think some people, let's say a purpose-driven business would be like charity water, mm -hmm. right? Our goal is to make sure that no children are dying because they can't get access to water. It's a great purpose. It's a great mission. But again, the way that it became a business or a charity is because Scott Harrison was doing something he didn't like, which is promoting at nightclubs. So he quit. He decided to go volunteer in Africa. He saw this problem mm -hmm. and it touched him. And yeah. he went, I'm going to try to do something about this. So it wasn't sitting in a room thinking about the problems yep. of the world. It was what touched him going and living and experiencing and trying to do. And he was he was only going, I think, for a couple of months. He was just doing a thing between jobs. He and was a photographer. His he life. went. He's. Yeah. I'll just take photos. So and it, so I think finding your purpose. It's really just about finding what touches you emotionally or what motivates you what you want to do and so here's the good news is you said it so how does one find what motivates them they move towards what they're motivated to move towards <laughs> what energizes you to do do that thing and don't do it with an end in mind now do many of these things right if steve jobs had just done calligraphy it would the picture wouldn't have come together but he moved into calligraphy and into computerization and into other things so you explore so for people that don't have a purpose and i could have never told you when I went to Costa Rica the first time, that I was going to become very interested in the world at large. I just, like, I'm just going to go somewhere. And this is this is a place that I'm capable of going this semester. It's a little bit cheaper than Europe. Yeah. <laughs> like, that put me in Costa Rica. Uh, so good news is that I think purpose is something that is seen in sometimes retrospect once, it's, once it smacks you. And then you can stick the course. Well, can I, and I want to chime in here. Not everything in your life has to drive to the same purpose mm. or even a purpose that's not one step removed so for instance my dad loved hockey wasn't quite good enough to play in the nhl was playing in college but just was like i can't make a job out of this what he wanted in life was to be a pro hockey player but what else he wanted in life was to have a wife and a family i don't think he particularly wanted to sell steel metal or to, to build stadiums and boats but he needed a job. He needed to make money. And he likes his job and he really likes his coworkers. But I think that his purpose in going to work 
at first was to provide for his wife and children. And now he's grown to love it because he's been doing it for years. But his purpose wasn't to build as many stadiums as possible. It was to provide a good life for his family. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times people now, they kind of think that everything they have to do has to be right for that first focus or for that first purpose. I don't think you need that to have a good life. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying you can't shoot for that. But I don't think you have to beat yourself up just because every second of your day isn't spent. Oh, I'm going to do a job because that job fulfills me and that job's purpose excites me. And then I'm going to do this hobby because it's like mm -hmm. you can play sports that you like and do a job because it lets you have a family, which you want. And yeah. that's that's a totally great way to be happy and fulfilled. Yeah. So I don't think everyone has to be starting Charity Water. So the thing that we have a video, how to find your passion, which I think is got, it's got a number of questions. I can't remember all four. But some of them that you could ask yourself are, what do I currently spend money to oh, these do? Are my fa oh, let's see if we can remember all three. Go ahead. There's, there was four. Uh, what do I have a backlog of unfinished work in? And this is not to get your purpose. This is just to move you towards the things that you're excited about but afraid of. Yep. So uh, when we st before we started Charisma on Command, it was a blog. I have and still have a Google Drive folder of, I'm not kidding, hundreds of half-written to three-quarter written documents that are my thoughts. And okay, so where do you have a backlog of work? Where do you have a bunch of sketches? Where do you have a bunch of things that you've kind of start stopped, yeah. but you just do it on your own? What do you, I think a good one is what do you think about in your free time? Mm -hmm. When you daydream, when you zone out on the bus or when mm -hmm. you're in the shower, you know, a lot of times I, I would be thinking about conversations that I had had and wish had gone better or future conversations I could have. That's mm -hmm. how you know, I really liked people and I was obsessed with the psychology of people. Yeah. You know, so it's like, what are you spending money on already? What do you spend your time thinking about already? I think those will help point you towards what you're passionate about. But again, this isn't your purpose. This is just something that's going to fire you up to explore. Yeah, and which could build into a purpose or could just be a great part of your life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I also the thing that I've seen is that life is long and you might it's the rearview mirror thing i feel like right now in my life a lot of things are coming together that i couldn't have predicted i mean we talked about the breakup which led me to ayahuasca which is leading us to checking out these clinics which i feel like we're closing in on something that is it's clicking yeah, you know and if in it's 20 <laughs> and if in 20 years someone asks you at 50 mm -hmm. oh my god how did you know that for the last 10 years you wanted to help people yeah ptsd veterans it wouldn't be because at 19, that was your purpose. Because I thought about it. But an, yeah. an ex-girlfriend broke up girl, with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, I had a horrible breakup. That's <laughs> and how. that led you to ayahuasca, yeah, I yeah. into this and that. And then eventually you found something that you cared about for your 40s. Yeah. So uh, that I say that just so you, you're, you're kind of like filling in this puzzle right now. And you've got the pieces and you're not seeing it. I, it often comes together if you continue to explore and, and just move towards what you're touched by. So hopefully that helps. Let me see if I had anything else that I wanted to tell you. Come here, girl. Because I know that we probably have 45 minutes of <laughs> podcast, <laughs> 15 minutes of Chasing Summer. So here's a couple just random clips. We throw them in. If you guys want to. Oh, I was, gonna, I was just going to let everyone know. This is why the podcast was so random today. <laughs> this little goober. Uh, this, these are just random things that I was going to tell you, but whatever. It's our podcast. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we can edit it. So there was somebody, the most work Angel's ever had. Sorry, Angel. There's somebody who reached out asking for for business advice. You know who I'm talking about. And I think I might have mentioned this to you. And he, he wanted us to give feedback on his online persona. Yeah, yeah. Did I tell you about what, it, what I sort of looked at? No. So he sent me an Instagram 
Well, you said he sent you a video. Not he sent me a video where and it was great. Very likable. Right? Yeah, he sent yeah. me a video where it's very so likable. Like, like, uh, you're doing great, dude. Yeah, you're, yeah. your online persona. But then, is fine. You, then you said you watched his Instagram. So I checked his Instagram, and so it's this comment of, uh, it reminds me in some ways of myself. This is the initial writing that I did is like this, where it's, if you want to f***ing learn how to be an entrepreneur, <laughs> you better, f and it's it's got one f bomb per per paragraph. Yeah. So first thing that I realized is even as someone who swears. As someone who writes or used to write like that before I got it, it is you. You do not want to write like that. Yeah, yeah. At the, in the moment, it can feel edgy or powerful. You well, can and, feel and like in your head, it feels good. But when someone's reading it in a different tone, the the, the horrible and useful thing about swear words is they can be interpreted in so many ways. They're so yeah. vague. And and I had a couple things. One is you don't know how I'm hearing this in my head and it makes you, even to me, someone who doesn't think like this, it makes me think you're dumb even though I do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Two, it's the laziest adjective you could ever do. It's yeah. so lazy. It, it, do you mean, there was one point where I didn't know if he meant f***ing in the term of sex or f***ing in the term of screwing someone over, and it could have worked either way in this context because mm. this word is so amorphous. Yeah. So it's not, and not only is it, it's just imprecise in addition to that. Yeah. And so that, that made me think, wow, swearing in writing is, you, you be, use it so carefully. It, was, it also reminded me when I, I was taking singing lessons and there's an F-bomb in one of the songs that I sing. And she said, stop hitting that so hard. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, every time you get to f you're like, <laughs> And she says, everyone does this. They get to a swear word in a song and they punch it. They, that's, that's the one they got to nail. And it, just say it like the other ones. And I know that you think that you are, but practice saying that one less than the other ones and you'll say it the same as you say every other lyric which i thought was fascinating that is fascinating and then upon listening back to it i was like oh my god I was can you so... sing it can you can you give me like a little yeah it was it was uh harder to breathe what is it and now we're gonna get copyrighted by umg i don't know though because i don't know the i was hoping someone will hold you like a can we'll get the lyrics it's whatever it was but I was it's, just... it's supposed to be like Hoping someone can hold you like I fucking can. But Something, instead it was like yeah. hoping someone can hold you like I fucking yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. And it just comes off so... You're just jacked up. When you yeah, say. you got a swear word in a song. So that was the swear word thing. But the other thing which I, I thought was interesting, which I, which I said to him, was I think people often don't consider their purpose in writing, and particularly mm. when you're on Instagram. Yep. So the post has a purpose. This is to fire people up, and he's trying to be edgy. I think that, not edgy, he's trying to distinguish himself and, and express these guys, these other people are not good enough. I'm different than them. Mm -hmm. But there's comments where people would ask, and maybe they're the type of comments asked by people who never purchase. They go, hey, does this work in my country? Hey, uh... I thought that that e-commerce wasn't working in 2019, these mm -hmm. sorts of things. And he responded to them very, if that's what you think, you'll never get it, type. And what I said to him was, what is your purpose here? If your purpose is to address objections, you should address the objection. Because this maybe this person won't buy, but I'm looking at it, and I see that you've got no answer for these people. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, okay, presume that forget addressing objections it doesn't work these people are non-buyers and it's just really not worth you're doing. just trying to respond to a non-buyer why are you responding to these people yeah, yeah. what what is going on and so the only thing yeah, that either I, it's a question that doesn't matter because anyone who thinks or it's it, a question worth answering yeah that's interesting and i think that there's i haven't had a chance to speak to him i just kind of sent this 
over uh, a voice note, but if I were to talk to him, I would say, look, I actually think the big thing that you're sensing is holding you back is you've got internal stuff yeah. uh, that is in your way. Why, like this, this responding to someone on Instagram in a way that is uh, mildly upsetting and, and not useful is a symptom of probably a deeper thing that's going on, perhaps a need to prove yourself or stand apart or whatever that I do suspect is is yeah, yeah. holding you back, and not just in your business, but getting in the way of being happy. I mean, addressing addressing all of these people is just yeah, a waste yeah. of one's time. So I thought that yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like yeah, maybe just don't re- respond to the comments. Say nothing. At all. Say nothing. Yeah. yeah, Instagram comments are not worth your time, or they are. So I thought uh, that was that was an interesting yeah. Or you thing. can convert that person into a buyer, in which case you should actually answer their question yeah yeah so and not to be hypercritical of him he asked to his credit for feedback yeah on it seems this. like a nice guy when you yeah just watch him not on instagram yeah so that's all anyways thanks everybody thanks summer all right good luck with this one angel <laughs> peace you when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.